0: Buongiorno, mi chiamo Bani. Io parlo italiano, sono americana e voi ascoltate a The Fluent Show. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hey everyone, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and like every week I'm here to talk to you about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. And today you've got me for a solo show and it's going to be a slightly different kind of episode. Instead of answering one listener question we'll settle in and get to know each other and I'll be sharing my personal answers to a few questions I've received via social media Before we kick that off I want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor which is The Drops Up Drops is a new way to learn a language that combines short, engaging wordplay with mnemonic association. You know the drill. The Drops app is not just a beautiful app. It's really, it's, I think, it's so pretty and it's playful, but it also works a charm when you're learning a new script like Chinese or Arabic scripts. There's plenty of swiping and tapping as this is one app designed for the phone screen, not for your keyboard. The app is fantastic for learning lots of vocab, getting the hang of characters and clear, hearing clear pronunciation. I really appreciate the way the pronunciation in the app is voice actors rather than computer voices. That's one of my bugbears. Drops has got the best character pinyin system for me. I've been trying various different Chinese learning Apps, sort of playing around with a bit of Mandarin and I must say that Drops is the best one for learning character and being aware of the opinion as well. I've been really enjoying the 90 days with Drops challenge as well and that's still going so hop over to Instagram if you want and have a look at how other people are using Drops with the hashtag 90 days with Drops. The app is available for all iOS and all Android devices and they even have a special partner app called Scripts if you want to Focus on learning a different script and not as much vocab. To try our sponsor, Drops, and play with your words today, look for Language Drops in the App Store or the Play Store or head to languagedrops.com slash fluentshow where you can get a 40% discount. Not bad (laughs) if you want to go deeper with Drops and try out a pro membership. So don't forget that's languagedrops.com slash Fluent Show and it tells them that I sent you and it encourages them to keep sponsoring and supporting the Fluent Show, which is excellent. So, this week. You may remember that in January, the Fluent Show ran a big survey. And altogether, there were 155 replies to the survey, which is very nice and representative, I hope, of you guys. And I gave away five books as well to thank randomly selected survey takers. So if you took the survey, hopefully you won. Either way, thank you so much for taking that time. Now, a bunch of you commented and asked me to share some of the results of the survey. You said, I want to know about the other people who are learning languages and listening to the Fluent Show. So that's what we're doing today. And because I also received a lot of questions from you and I feel like, If I got to know you a little better, then you should maybe get to know me a little better. I decided to take this opportunity and today I will be sharing my personal answers to a few questions. So it's a bumper Q&A. Instead of going deep on one question, I'm going to run through quite a few questions and also revealing the results of the Fluent Show survey. Let's start with You. About the Fluent Show listeners, and the first questions I asked were all just about where do you live, how do you interact with the Fluent Show, 38.2% of you, so that's over a third of you, answered that you live in the USA. USA, followed by the other English-speaking areas, which makes sense because this is an English-speaking podcast. So we've got the UK represented, Canada, and also quite a few Australians. But after that, it is a massive variety. And I just want to give you all a shout-out to all of you all over the world in a total of 33 countries you listen to The Fluent Show. It is amazing. Amazing. I'm so proud to have you listening to me right now. And hopefully you're comfortable and you got yourself a, a biscuit or a cup of tea or whatever you drink in your part of the world. Because 65.8% of you listen at home. Which I thought was fascinating. So send me some pictures if you want of your listening environment. I hope you're comfortable on the sofa because that's how I would imagine you just got kind of really chilled. In terms of social media... There's something really interesting that I noticed, which is that the majority of you are on Facebook and Instagram and the Fluent Show doesn't currently have any pages on Facebook or on Instagram. So I wanted to just share where you can find me if you are looking for Fluent Show and you want to kind of share the love. On Facebook, there's a page called Fluent Language. That's facebook.com slash fluent language. There is also a group where we have weekly check-ins. Every Saturday we share how we, how the week went. It's a nice active group with wonderful, wonderful moderators. I'm so grateful. Um, over a thousand language learners in there. And that's facebook.com slash groups slash fluent language for the Fluent Language Learners community. Where every week we discuss the podcast episodes as well. And on Insta. I'm out there. It's Instagram.com slash Kirsten underscore fluent. And if you are a Twitter user, Twitter perhaps a company that hasn't been as disgraced for its ethics yet, so I'm certainly still on there. Twitter.com slash The Fluent Show is where you can interact with the podcast and send me your questions and comments. Now, if you, by the way, if you know any good pages podcast pages on facebook or on instagram so other favorite podcasts and you think they're doing inspiring cool things and interacting with people in a really cool way do make me aware send me an email kirsten at fluent or find me at kirsten underscore fluent on instagram send me a message because i would love to know what you like that other podcasts do on social media so that i can do it perhaps as well now What languages do you think the Fluent Show community learns? Wow, 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 wow. You lot are polyglot! Oh my God, it's amazing. Each one of you is just so amazing because you send so many different languages. The top five languages studied by Fluent Show listeners. Idioma numero uno. Español lots of Spanish learners, followed by French, German, Italian and Russian. But that's not it. And because you are learning so many languages and every language is as important as the next one, and big languages or small languages, it doesn't matter. The number of speakers is not what makes a language cool. I want to take this time and read out the 43... languages that all of you study. So bear with me here and I hope you're going to enjoy this and find it inspiring because I definitely did. So in addition to the five languages just mentioned, Fluent Show listeners study Chinese, and that's both Cantonese and Mandarin, English, Japanese and Korean, Swedish, Arabic, Dutch, Greek, Persian, and I grouped Persian and Farsi together here, Irish, Norwegian, Hawaiian, there's more than one of you. Vietnamese, Icelandic, Polish, a bunch of sign languages such as British Sign Language, American Sign Language. Esperanto, Scottish, Gaelic, Welsh, Sicilian, Portuguese, Kumei, tell me where that's from. Latin Luxembourgish, Cossa, Zulu, Setswana, Yiddish. Hindi, again, there's more than one of you doing Hindi, Afrikaans, Danish, Hmong, Thai, Slovak, Malagasy, Finnish, and that's it. Those are the languages that you lot are learning and I am so proud to have you listening to The Fluent Show. One other thing that emerged from the survey is that more than half of you have already rated the show. Thank you so much! Thank you so much. It makes a massive difference to how people discover this show. And many of you also shared that you found the Fluent Show by doing a search or by seeing what's recommended on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts app. And that doesn't happen if you don't review the show. So you're keeping the Fluent Show going. It's amazing. Please keep writing. And if you're hearing this and you haven't done it yet, it's not too late. You can rate the show at any point. An extra high five to the 20 people who have written a review and the seven of you, only seven of you who've sent intros so far. So when I say an intro, what I mean is a listener voice that you hear at the start of the show where a listener is recording a clip in a target language, doesn't matter which language it is, usually a foreign language for them or a cool native language or different native language doesn't matter. They recorded a clip and I put these at the start of every solo episode because I feel like it's a really cool way for all of you to get involved. If you want to send me an intro clip, please do because one day I'm going to run out and I don't want to. And all you do is you say your name, where you're from, which language you're speaking and you say the words you're listening to The Fluent Show in your target language. That's all you've got to do and I cannot wait to receive your clips. And the way to do that is to record it. You can even do it on voice memos on your phone and then email it to kirsten at fluentlanguage.co.uk. Every single person, every single listener is welcome to do this. Thank you also to so many of you who said that they enjoy listening to Kirsten, which is me, which is your podcast host. And I don't want to single this out any further except for to saying, except for saying this podcast is a passion project for me and it works because right from the start, I allowed myself to to be myself, to just do it in a way that I think will work with the type of human that I am, I guess. Which means sometimes it's a little unstructured, which means I have this voice, I have this accent. Sometimes my German accent comes through. This is just what happens. And this is... This is either it's it's a take it or leave it kind of experiment. Every podcast is. And the only reason I want to share this with you is not to put you off and say, oh, take it or leave it, is to say to you, I encourage you, if you've got similar creative project up your sleeve to be yourselves too and encourage you that it works. And this is in language learning as well. Do what you feel is most like yourself, because that is how you become the most successful and I encourage you to just listen to that little inner voice and trust yourself to do what you think is right. And finally, I want to give a note about audio quality, <laughs> which is we work our absolute hardest on this, but we are constrained to not being a radio station. We're not, we, we have nowhere near the funding that the BBC has or anything like that. So we can't quite produce you know, what an NPR quality to- podcast. And we're also constricted, constrained? you know the word, to the Skype audio. And again, the style. The style of this show is relaxed, meaning we don't edit super tightly. I talk a lot. It's a thing. And we just roll with it. Guests are guests and they are not professionals. and We can't expect them to be in a professional radio studio so trust that we here at The Fluent Show really work very hard on producing the best audio that we can. And we will continue to do so and make improvements, make as many improvements as we can possibly make throughout the year. And we are absolutely committed to this. I will also introduce a listener support option. That basically means you can start donating money, keeping the podcast going, making the podcast better and contributing to this show. And my hope is to do this as soon as my podcast hosting company, the beautiful, wonderful Fireside, makes it possible. This will not be obligatory at all. Not at all. The podcast will stay as it is right now. But if you like supporting The Fluent Show, it will help me research better guests, book new guests, answer your emails, keep the sponsor to just one per episode. I don't want to start rattling off a list of long sponsors. You don't want that. I don't want that. That's boring. Travel, record on the road, start extra shows, make a a network. I've got so many ideas for podcast shows that that we could be making. Continue to, you know, to pay the bills and keep the lights on, of course. Uh, Get better editing software so that we sound better. Tell more stories that have cool edits that are a little bit more than just me talking into your ears. Make videos, translate the show notes, do transcripts, pay for a voicemail service so you can call in, continue to pay the editor so that the editor stays with me and helps me make the show sound good because I'm not very great at it by myself and you can hear that in the older episodes, (laughs) Uh, create super cool materials and just create more extra shows and perhaps even video In other words, as long as I have to pay for hosting and the rent, I have to get money to make this show. And that's why we have sponsors. And also the sponsors, they do work for the podcast. I'm so, so glad because many of you do enjoy the apps that we mention. Drops app, shout out, has been very, very popular. Languagedrops.com slash Fluent Show. And the bonuses will be manifold. So I'll just tell you more about that when it comes through. But expect that in 2019, the Fluent Show will hopefully introduce a listener support option. So you can become a VIP supporting, sustaining member of the Fluent Show. Amazing. Amazing. Which leaves us a few minutes, as I promised, for lots of your cues. And lots of my A's, as Dan Savage puts it, who is a podcaster who I admire and does a fantastic job answering listener questions. So all of the following questions are, to a certain extent, about me and my experience learning languages. And I hope that sharing this story will be interesting. Question number one comes from Nicola Polyglot on Instagram. Have you ever considered another profession or do you have another passion? Boy, Nicola, do I ever, have I ever considered another profession? That really made me think, and this is an interesting question. And what I want to tell you is that when I was going through the school system, which is years ago now (laughs) it's a good 15 to 20 years ago that I had to make decisions about my future and I was you know sort of in university etc and really thinking about what am I going to do with my life and in those days it was not conceivable to think that you could do a job like being a podcaster you may have wanted to be a radio presenter uh, but not a radio presenter who makes her own radio show by being at home and talking about languages all the time. So in that way, I I have, of course, considered other professions and I have had other professions. Language has been my passion throughout my life. And in all my time, in all my full-time education, I have always studied languages. I've always worked with languages. So I've always had this passion here and I've always known, I think, that I want to do something with languages. And I always knew the other thing, which is that the two obvious some things with languages, translating or interpreting or teaching, weren't really 100% on my radar. Having said that, those are the traditional university and school courses that you usually take in another language so I did train as a translator I've got an MA in translation studies and for a little while I started working as a translator and being a translator didn't didn't suit me personally I really thought this is the job that I'm going to have now and I I think being an interpreter would suit me a lot better I I can focus and concentrate to, to that required intensity. I'm a a good speaker, a confident speaker. I love meeting people. Oh my god, I love strangers. <laughs> so that that would have suited me better. Translation is a lot more introvert friendly. It's a lot more of a profession that you do really focusing in in quiet in in a specific environment, and that didn't suit me as well. Having said that the reason I didn't translate as an interpreter uh, didn't train as an interpreter is that I I just imagined that German and English are not languages where the job chances would be as high so I talked myself out of it and if I had my time again Perhaps I wouldn't. Perhaps I would just say, no, I'm going to do this. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to just look for the work until I find it. But that's not always been my attitude. I used to be a lot more defeatist and now I'm more willing to try something. So I did train as a translator, Nicola, and I tried it. I worked as a translator for a few months and I very quickly started looking for other work. Because <laughs> it's, it, it's just not for me and the kind of personality I have. And Influent, the work I enjoy... The parts and the passion that I have definitely drives me, and I try to bring a lot of what I enjoy into my work. So, for example, public speaking and travel—I love that. The Fluent retreats are are amazing because they bring together many things that I really enjoy, combined with a real result for people. So, the Fluent language retreats—we've got um, several coming up in French and in German this year. They are—they make a massive different difference to me. I also really love writing and I love making podcasts. On to the next question, which is very related. And it came from Michelle. And Stephen asked a similar question. And they said, tell us more about your education, the college you attended, what internships you did, etc. So you already know that my career path went a bit zigzaggy. Like, I think a lot of language professionals, we we perhaps bounce around for a little bit until we find... Until we find where we are and I work as a career mentor for Lancaster University and have done it for many years and I continuously have to remind my mentees that it's not straightforward. Having said that, so don't assume that the path I took was in any way intentional and I always wanted to end up where I am right now. (laughs) Instead, this is is just the path I took because I followed my heart and I followed um, mostly the kinds of professions and courses that looked fascinating and interesting to me. I attended a a village primary school because I'm from a very small village in the Moselle Valley in Germany. Uh, That is four years until you're about 10 years old. And then I went to the local towns, gymnasium. Germany has three school types, the Hauptschule, Realschule and Gymnasium in secondary education. And Gymnasium is sort of the academic type. This is where you you go if you want the thing called the Abitur, which is the qualification that allows you to go to university. And already in Gymnasium, I focused quite heavily on languages, but it is a a general education focused qualification. So I still had to take horrible, horrible subjects like biology and maths. (laughs) But after my Abitur, I went to a special course that was two years in length called International Secretary or European, I think it was officially like European International Management Assistant or something like that. And in that course, I did intensive French and English courses. I also took two years of conversational Spanish. So it was very language focused, which is really what I was there for. And I also learned many other things like events management, marketing, some basics of business administration. So it was a a business and languages course. That was, I only did that because I loved languages and it was the most practical language focused education that that I could see at the time. After that is when I moved to England. I had my two-year secretary qualification recognized by a British university as two years of a degree. It's a little bit of a backdoor. And then I did the third year of a degree at a university called the University of Central Lancashire in Preston, Lancashire. And it's a lovely university and I I had a wonderful time there and I feel like I got a great... I got a great education during my year in many different ways. and just loved being in England, loved being in Northern England. I wouldn't do anything any differently. And then after that, I didn't go straight into my master's because I just wasn't sure what to do and I wanted to get a little bit of working experience and earn some money. So I went to work for about 10 months, deferred my master's that I had applied for and then went to do a master's in translation studies, which you can hear lots more about in the podcast episode should I do a master's in languages or linguistics. So that's essentially my education. The German education system there is is fairly straightforward. I never officially went to university in Germany, so I don't quite know what the universities are like there. Next question is also about Germany in a way, and that is from Val in Instagram saying, how is Luxembourgish changing your perspective on your own native German dialect? And Val, that's a really smart question because it's actually making a huge difference to how I used to see my dialect. I grew up speaking... You know, up, to, up to school age, hearing a lot of dialect. And my parents say they also spoke dialect to me. But as soon as I went to school, they switched to Hochdeutsch, High German, dialect-free German, as we consider it, because that's what they thought was, was best for my education and for you know getting on in school. Teachers wouldn't understand you or speak to you in dialect, so we didn't. And what Luxembourgish now is showing me I knew as a kid, you know, we used to have Luxembourgish radio stations and stuff. We'd sort of laugh at how similar it is to the dialect. sounds funny. And Luxembourgish gave me the chance to understand that my home dialect is actually a valid linguistic variant of German, that it's something to be proud of and that all it takes for it to be recognized as a language really is for it to be... 50 kilometers further west and in a different political structure. So what Luxembourgish has taught me about my German native dialect is that my German native dialect is, is a strong language variant with a full right to exist in its own right. It's something to be proud of and it is ancient and super cool. I have time for one more question. And that question came from Spanish Consulza on Twitter. She asked, how do you choose which languages to learn? And have you ever given up on a language and why? I feel that I have a luxury position, more or less a luxury position, in that I have got what most people would consider fluency in something between four or five languages so definitely German English and French I think my Welsh is now fairly serviceable and many people would say I can get away with calling it fluent as in I function (laughs) and I I have Spanish that I can just about muddle through with not fluent but I function in Spanish so that means I've got a lot of my many north global half European white person's basics covered. I've got a lot of Europe covered in other words and I live in Europe. So linguistically, there's nothing that I have a huge urgency that or I feel a duty to pick up. So now, and you could see that with, with Welsh and even Russian before then, the reason I chose those languages wasn't so much that I felt, oh, this will be useful for me in a specific way I didn't know a particularly large amount of Russians. I don't know particularly a particularly large amount of Welsh speakers, certainly didn't at the time. And now that I'm learning a little bit Chinese, again, it, I, I lived 35 years of my life without Chinese, so I know I function without Chinese. But there's something about a language sometimes where I feel almost like I don't find it, it finds me. I just get more and more curious and I start going, I wonder how to make those noises. I wonder how this. And the more questions pop up in my head, the more I kind of let myself play a little bit. And with um, Mandarin Chinese, which I'm certainly not, uh, you know, learning at any speed at the moment, but I'm playing around with it. It's a good example because what happened was that I had this whole prep phase during which I played around with some apps started saying a few things, looked around and, and just became more curious and more aware of the the instances of Chinese around me. And during this prep phase, I didn't put any pressure on myself. I didn't say I am learning this language. Instead, what I did was I just allowed myself to get a little bit more curious. And that is how I, how, how I get a sense of whether I'm enjoying what I'm doing And I get a sense of the opportunities that await me if I do start engaging with that language. And if I feel like I like what is happening there, then I think I'll just go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. So it's not for me, my process is not that I choose a language and I say, "Okay, this is the language I'm 100 percent doing now. The process is more that I dabble, but I don't necessarily stop and i just see how far i can dabble <laughs> that's certainly how it worked with, with welsh and and with my russian my biggest regret of this process is and like everybody is that i have languages that i would really like to get back to and i have to weigh that up against new languages that, that are just calling to me and are extremely fascinating there are certain languages that i feel a, a stronger sense of should around uh, number 1 the sign language i think it's i think i should definitely look into a sign language and that's something i feel a little um, embarrassed that i don't know it yet like how do you know how have you studied 10 languages none of them is a sign language that's a bit rubbish so i will i will work on that but most of my languages i just kind of choose and the other part of your questions have i given up on a language no Not as such, not given up, but I have certainly said to certain languages, okay, you are now in the background and I do engage with them every now and then, and I do remember more than I thought. So the podcast about remembering a language or restarting a language that you have studied before is relevant to that one more. And I'm going to put it in the show notes for you, but that is, that is where I come down really. Okay. Okay. Language learners, I don't want to make this episode any longer. It's already a different kind of quirky one. And I hope you enjoyed this deep dive into who you are, who I am and what The Fluent Show is planning for 2019. The next week, we are back with a classic interview episode. I believe Lindsay's going to be back. And as always, I can't wait to hear from you. Your feedback matters. That's why I do this episode. Your feedback matters, your voices matter as listeners of The Fluent Show. You are super, super valued and I just love having you here. I hope to see you at the Women in Language online conference, which is now a mere blink of an eye away. (laughs) Go and get your ticket at www.womeninlanguage.com. We so look forward to seeing you there. It's going to be bigger and better than last year. Of course it is. (laughs) cannot wait to see you there womeninlanguage.com and hopefully i'll be hearing from you very very soon thank you so much for listening to the fluent show you can find me on twitter at the fluent show or you can send me an email kirsten k-e-r-s-t-i-n at fluentlanguage.co.uk keep on learning languages goodbye